0: The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad, pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day
1: experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. We are coming to you less than 24 hours after Memphis uh, suffered a 72-64 loss at Houston uh, without Kendrick Davis. Uh, we haven't done a podcast in a minute here. A lot has happened since then, so a lot to get to in today's episode. Um, Tigers obviously you know, battling on the bubble Um, Got a dramatic win over UCF uh, last week when Kendrick Davis suffered uh, an ankle injury and left the game late in the first half. Then uh, I think uh, gave everyone a surprise in how well and how tough they played Houston on the road on Sunday. Um, They are now 20-7. and Uh, heading into the final four games of the regular season, Wichita State coming up on Thursday, followed by Cincinnati next weekend, a road trip to SMU, and then on March 5th, a rematch with Houston. Um, So lots and lots to get to, to wrap our arms around this. Let's start, Munz, let's start with this Houston game um, and sort of... uh, I don't know if surprising is the right word. I'm curious it was for me it was surprising how well they played without Kendrick, particularly particularly in the second half against a Houston team that I believe is going to ascend to number one in the polls today um what did you make of that performance um you know, in terms of what it what it meant yesterday what it means moving forward?
0: It's hard. I mean it's tough to I think reconcile you know exactly where do you land because there there seems to be two very distinct you know schools of thought right like that first half was as ugly a half of basketball as you can possibly I I mean like of course it probably could have been uglier but it 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 I mean 14 turnovers Mark they Memphis as a team has committed uh, has has they have 14 games before yesterday. They played 14 games where they committed 14 or fewer turnovers in a game, in a whole game. Not just a half. Like they, they turn the ball over in one 20 minute stretch. Like what what this team normally does over, over the course of a whole game. And I, and I think that that's like, that's just really bad. Now, part of that is obviously Houston, but Houston is only turning over its teams, uh, its opponents 14.2 times a game. So like, you know, even, even they turned Memphis over in one half, what they normally turn a team over in a whole game. So like, that has to be pointed out just, just how subpar (laughs) that first half was. Second half was phenomenal, I thought. Um, You know, you cut down on the turnovers. You scored 43 points on the road um, against what will be the number one team in the country. Um, A defense that came into this game only giving up 55 points a game. You scored 43 points in one half against that team. There's only one other team that has scored more points in one half against this Houston defense. Any guesses who that is?
1: Uh, well, we've only lost twice, right? All year. And that's right. my get tells me it's not temple. So I'm going to say you, Alabama.
0: You would be correct. The, uh, Alabama team that's top three in the country, uh, that has a, a, a projected lottery pick in its lineup. Memphis on the other hand, without its best player, without its defending conference player of the year, without its odds on favorite to repeat as conference player of the year, basically did the same thing as Alabama did in one half to, to this Houston team. So that's what I'm saying. Like, how do you reconcile it? Like, are you disappointed? Like that you had, had it right there. It was kind of right there. You were in the game with less than two minutes to go. Like you, you had a chance to knock off this team without your best player. And with a couple of other players who are, not a hundred percent. Um, or you look at it, like, because of all that, are you licking your chops for the rematch in two weeks? Like, are you thinking that, man, we're a much better team than I thought we were. Like we, we have the chance if everybody's healthy to really, really make some noise here, here in the next few weeks. Like I think, I I think, I think I know where most people stand, especially most people in Memphis. And I think I know where you stand. Um, And, and, and I'm on, I'm kind of on, on your side as well. I, I, I just think that there was too much. Memphis showed a lot of resolve and a lot of, uh, you know, just a lot, a lot of, they they showed a lot yesterday, I think. and. you know, you, you you talk about moral victories and how there, there's no such thing as that. And, and I believe that. But I also believe that you that not every loss is created
1: equal. Yeah, I, I certainly found it. Because, like, ultimately, yeah, they had a chance. They're down, had two different opportunities where they could have cut it to single digits in the last two minutes. Or, excuse me, a single possession game in the last yeah. two minutes. You know, Jonathan Lawson has that layup uh after Damari Franklin caused a turnover and doesn't connect on the layup. Then uh DeAndre Williams passes on an open three, drives to the basket, and commits an offensive foul and ultimately fouls out of the game right there, and that pretty much ended it. Um but I'll be honest, like at no point did I think they were going to win, you know, but like frankly at various points I thought they were gonna get blown out, including before the game started. Um, and, or I should say, as soon as it was clear, Kendrick Davis was not going to play. Um, and the fact that that was a, and then at halftime, I thought, okay, they're down 11. Um, they look overwhelmed. Um, this is going to get a little ugly. And then even like 10 minutes into the second half, I was like, all right, well, they've shown me enough to prove to me that they can take on, they can take this Houston team at home if they have Kendrick. But my gut tells me the better team's gonna pull away here, and and right. ultimately Houston never did, um, right. they never did, and so and Memphis, and I came Memphis away.
0: Deserves sorry, Memphis deserves credit for that. Like they, they, that's that's my you point could, when I said not every yeah not every loss is created
1: equal. Well, you could argue. I mean, there's an argument to be made that that's their most impressive result of the season. Like I know most people won't say that because like it's still a loss ultimately, but like. Their two best wins right now are A&M at home and Auburn on a neutral site. And then you'd probably throw in I guess the Bama game as like you know a close loss on the road, but like given the circumstances there's an argument to be made like this was the most impressive result of the season. And you know I think it I think it bodes well for move these last four games in that you saw in this game. Malcolm Dandridge and Alex Lomax returned from injury. Now, neither looked completely all the way back, but you got to get the first one in, you know, at some point. And, you know, did they play Alex a little too much? Probably. I think Penny even admitted it on the post-game radio show that he, Alex was supposed to play like 15 or 20 minutes and ended up playing 29. But it was because, you know, he didn't have a point guard otherwise. Um, and, you know, you saw offensively, Alex looked a lot like he did at the beginning of the season when he was coming back from his ankle stuff. Um, He just looked at a little out of sorts offensively. Um, And then Malcolm didn't play very much, only played six minutes. Um, But it was like, it was good to see them get one game in and not have like an injury setback. So I think that's going to help them moving forward. Then, you know, Elijah McCadden continues to play really well. Um, I mean, I thought, you know you the, the this Houston game was even though he s- scored all 20 of his points in the second half um probably his most impressive performance as a tiger yesterday um he, he looked really good um especially handling the ball um and that's just he's a weapon that um the way he's playing now he is a real weapon for this team um and it's it's a nice luxury to have someone who's really found his groove and, and has found it consistently. I believe this is now five times in six games that he scored in double digits for Memphis. And then I thought DeMarier Franklin gave them probably you know, coming off of his dramatic game winner against UCF, probably put in his best overall performance of the season against Houston. Um and that's gonna be helpful, I think, because ultimately the, the part of what's been so disappointing about him is like you watch him play and you're like, God, this guy's athletic. He's got something, but he's, he's been all out of sorts all year. He's never really found his role or his comfort level within the, within the structure of the team. And mm-hmm. against Houston, it, it seemed like he found, he, he found something there a little bit. And so it'll be interesting to see how he builds on that over the next week or two.
0: Yeah. So, so I, couple things. I think it may be time. I think, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but it, it might be, uh, maybe I went a little bit too soon on the, uh, on the story that I wrote when I went around asking the assistant coaches and the bracketologists what Memphis's most important game, regardless of outcome uh, was, I think this one, I think you're right. I think this one probably moves to the top of the list um, just because of what it could do for, you know, uh, uh, in a lot of different aspects, you know, mental, mentally, uh, you know, what, what, it, what it represents in terms of, you know, you talk about Alex Lomax and Malcolm Dandridge, and that brings me to my next point. I wonder, I started thinking about this uh, yesterday, like, you know, a lot of people were, were saying, like, do you really want to, do you really, you know, a guy who's been out for two months and a guy who's been out for a month, like, don't you want to get them some run? Don't you want to get them some run before, you know, before they have to go against this ferocious Houston uh, team on the road and, in, 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 you know, a very hostile environment? A record-breaking crowd, I might add. I don't know if they mentioned that on the uh, on the TV. Um, 70, 7,730 is a new uh, for Tita Center record. Now, Fertitta Center it didn't open until December 2018. But still, um, nonetheless, it was a very hostile environment. Like,
1: that's by the way that's 2 years in a row Memphis has set a record for that right. building's attendance 2 years that's in right. a row That's
0: right So I wonder I started wondering this yesterday What like cuz that makes sense like should you should you hold these guys who are coming back from injury out of a, of a very important game just because you don't want to like throw them into the fire but maybe maybe we were thinking about it the wrong way like maybe you you know like UCF was a must win last week Wichita coming up is a must win yeah maybe those are the games maybe those are the games you don't want to be getting guys run just to get them run maybe you maybe you want to you know when you've got a little bit of house money to play with maybe that's when you uh maybe that's when you Get those two guys out there and get them back in the swing of things, so that when you do get to the must-win, the Wichita, the Cincinnati, um, at home on Sunday, they'll be, you know, they'll be, they'll be, they'll be ready. They'll be more ready than they would be uh, had you, you know, thrown them into the fire um, in another game. I, I, I yeah.
1: Was, no, it's anyway. it's an well, odd dynamic in that. You were playing the best team in the league. You're likely playing, you know, if you sweep Houston, you'd have a chance to win the American this year. Um, You're playing a team that's about to ascend to number one in the country. And yet... For the second or
0: third time, right?
1: Yes. And yet, yes, it's very clear to me that at this point, the next three games are far more important. I said this last week in my column the next three games and that UCF game are far more important than the Houston games in my mind. I think they're, they're in the turn. Like it'll be a little nerve wracking, I guess, if you don't get a win over Houston, but my gut tells me you're making the tournament. If you just win the next three, I don't think you need to even beat Houston at home to get in the tournament at this point. Um, right. Cause it would mean you have like one quad three loss, which is a quad big loss to the team that's, there's a decent chance it's going to finish second in the league in Tulane. It's going to be a relatively clean resume. Um, And now will that get you a seven seed? No, it won't. Um, But it'll get you in the field, I think. Um, And so in, yeah, in many ways, like it was, you know, that was the whole impetus. I think in terms of not playing Kendrick yesterday, like my gut tells me what we saw from him in warmups where he was shooting, if this were an NCAA tournament game, he would have tried to give it a go. But that, that was the reality was it, you know, even though it was a big game in the traditional sense in the, in the will Memphis make the tournament sense, it wasn't that big of a game. And right. I think they made the right move, not playing him in that game and seeing, you know, cause it'd be a lot more helpful to have him healthier for Wichita state. Um, now that's, you know, we'll see penny, gave kind of a, you know, I think, well, it'll be the same sort of deal going into that with Kendrick as it was yesterday. It's going to be like a game time decision, Um, but it'll be a week since he turned his ankle against UCF. Um, What do you think? What's your gut telling you about Kendrick and Wichita State? Penny seemed to indicate like, and eh, maybe, but you know, Cincinnati on the next weekend is more likely. What do what do you what do you sense about Kendrick and sort of, I guess, the strategy they're taking with Kendrick?
0: I like the strategy. I think I I thought that they uh, there was, I, if you had put them, if you if he had played yesterday, sure, it could have it could have gone well. He could have not. Uh, Made his ankle any worse, and you could have won, sure. But the odds of all of that—I mean, that—that was like like the odds of that stuff, all that stuff happening, were very low. Were too low, and I think that's probably what it boiled down to. Like, could he have played through some soreness? Yes, I do believe so. If it was, if it was, you know, one of those make or break, do or die type situations, um, would he have been? You know, full Kendrick Davis. I don't think so. Could they still have won with Kendrick Davis on the floor yesterday? I believe they could have, but I I just think that the risk versus the reward was ultimately what they landed on. That the risk was too was too great for whatever potential reward. And I think that was the I think that was the right decision under the circumstances. I don't think they necessarily wanted to do that, but but. I think they made the right decision for the long run. That being said, I would be very surprised if he does not play at Wichita State. Like, you know, I mean, I would just be very surprised. Like, you know, you feel better about sitting him if if you want to again. If you want to sit him again, you feel better about doing it because of what Alex Lomax showed, I think. And what Elijah McCadden showed, what DeMaria Franklin showed, everything you saw in that second half, I think, gives you some confidence that if you do want to sit him again and really give him another few days to not only let his ankle recover, but also just his body in general, right? Like, he's got one of the highest usage rates in the country. Like, this could just, I mean, you know, this isn't just sitting him because his ankle hurts. I think, you know, you got to look at it from a total uh, you know a full picture here that that he's also resting just his his entire body and and his mental uh uh his, the, the mental side of things like he's getting he's getting a really nice blow here late in the season that i think could pay dividends um you know when he when he does come back um so but but that that all that said i still i still would be surprised if he does not play against wichita.
1: yeah well and i i do think of these next 3 in my mind i know cincinnati is a better team than wichita state but you get cincinnati at home and smu right. is not a good team second worst in the league this year i think the the at wichita state game is the trickiest of the 3 they've got before the the rematch with houston wichita is has won three of its past four. They've been playing better lately. Um that's a tough place to win, although not as not as much this year. Um but um I just think that's a that to me feels like the trickiest of the three. Um and I would feel a lot more comfortable if we got even just like eighty percent Kendrick Davis out there in that one. Um I just, mean even uh, just for twenty five minutes. I mean because yeah. yeah you're right
0: Wichita state is it, it, like is I think they've won 3 out of their last 4 even still yeah, it's the same, they are yeah. they are 120 in the net and that would be correct me if i'm wrong would that not be a quad 3 loss if you i mean that's a quad 3 game as we sit here today um and and losing that game would just
1: yeah you have to think it would just tank like I mean would, it would Houston. it would it would make it so you felt like you had to if you lose any of these three, you are then gonna go into that last Houston game feeling like, Hey, we're gonna need to get a win here uh yeah. at home. Like it's not right. the end of the world, like losing one of these three, like I, because they have that last Houston game, it's not insurmountable. Um but uh by the way, it's a quad two game. Uh, against Wichita. Um, Top 135 on the road is a quad two. So again, it wouldn't be like the end of the world, but it would make you feel like you need to beat Houston, uh, I think, at home. I mean, look
0: at it like this. It's a quad two game. Like, that's an opportunity to, I mean, as we saw, you know, I saw some people talking about it over the weekend with that mock selection thing, you know, like what it appeared to the analysts that this mock selection committee was valuing um is not just quad 1 games like uh quad 1 plus quad 2 record matters and yeah. that's another opportunity to um improve even though it would be a low quad 2 it's still a quad 2 and it would it would uh, go a long way toward um you know bolstering bolstering your resume if you need to
1: no i think if you're memphis the the, the formula is be above 500 in quad one slash quad two games and don't suffer any more bad losses. Well, right Right. now, because A&M moved into a quad one territory, they're two and three against quad ones with the Auburn and uh, A&M games being the, the, uh, the two. Five and three in quad twos, so that's seven and six overall, and then they're 13 and one in quad three and four. Well, if you look at the next two games are quad two games, Wichita and Cincinnati. Um, and so if you win both of those, that puts you at nine and six in quad one, quad two. Then you beat SMU. And then even if you lose to, you know, even if you lose to Houston again, you're nine and seven in quad one, quad two. And I think If you go look at all the other like-minded, you know, all the other bubble teams, if you will, one, most of them have more than one quad three loss at this point, quad three slash quad four loss. And two, a lot of them don't have above 500 records in quad one, quad two. And that's why I feel pretty good about if they can just win the next three, I think they're in. I don't even think they need to do anything else. Maybe just frankly, even like the conference tournament, the way it's lining up right now, they're probably going to face, like, it's going to, I think it's going to, I mean, unless Tulane slips up, like, Tulane plays Houston this week, and it, let's presume they lose that, they still need to lose another game in order for Memphis to jump them, and Memphis would have to And even then, Memphis has another game against Houston. Like, it's, it's probably unlikely, unless Tulane really falters here down the stretch, that Memphis is gonna get the two seed in the conference tournament. It's more likely they're gonna get the three seed. Yeah. Um, which would put them, I believe, based on the standings, like more than likely you're going to be playing Wichita or UCF in the opening round of the conference tournament. And like 9/20 I don't think e-
0: on Friday night.
1: Yes. Um yes.
0: Joy. Um,
1: what's that? Yeah. Just enjoy. um joy. Yeah, but I don't think either of those losses would even be devastating in the conference tournament. We've seen over the years that I don't think the conference tournament dictates whether you're in or not very often. It more right. dictates seeding. But right. nonetheless, you'd hope they would win. Like if they just win the games they're supposed to win, they're in. That's really just the basic way to look at it. I agree. I agree. And, and, and um, by the way, while we were recording this, it is official. Houston is number one in the new AP poll. So well, um, hopefully they can win, um, win out. Because I think, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Memphis has never hosted the number one team in the country in a home game. Um, uh-huh. And Houston has... Home games against Tulane and Wichita, and a road game against DCU left before it plays Memphis. So, um, Tulane's gonna
0: be tricky. I, 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 even though Houston went into New Orleans and beat them by 20,
1: I still, yeah, but Houston's got big guys. Yeah, the Tulane doesn't, Tulane, like they beat Tulane by 20, and like Tulane struggles with team. Like, part of the reason Memphis lost to Tulane both times is because they didn't have any big guys available. Um, like right. any big guys who could punish them inside, like KO is available, but he's not like the type of guy who's gonna punish you for playing lineups with guys who are six six and shorter, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas Houston, I mean, we saw it yesterday. Um, I mean, they got some good big men, um, and they they got a lot of size. Um, you know, like Jawan Roberts and Durace Walker are six seven, six eight, but those are like men, you know, like they're 240, yeah, yeah, yeah. 230. Um, you know, so, um, it'll be, uh, be interesting. I hope, I hope it happens. Cause I think, I, I think we saw Memphis, you know, if they play well, they can beat that Houston team. That Houston team struck me as, yeah, they're number one in the country, but you know, they remind, they, they strike me a lot like Tennessee. They can beat anyone in the country because of how good and tough they are defensively. But I don't necessarily trust them to win, like to get to the final four, to like string together five wins and get to the final four. Um, I
0: said this. I said this before yesterday's game that I think that that Houston is very gettable. they' they are. I think for a team that's ranked that high and has been all season long, I think they are they are quite vulnerable. And I did not walk away from the Fertitta Center yesterday feeling any differently whatsoever. And I'm not alone. A little anecdote here, as I was, uh, after we wrapped up interviews with Penny and Elijah McCadden in the hallway outside the locker room, outside the visiting locker room, I happened to just like be walking by the locker room when DeAndre Williams was coming out. And he was equal parts. and And I mean, like, I can't stress this enough, like he was, he was his typical, uh, sort of emotional, um, self, like, but it was equal parts and it was just him and I walking and we were having a little conversation and he was equal parts, uh, very like disappointed and regretful, um, that they lost that game that Memphis lost that game. Um, but he would, as much as he was disappointed and, you know, angry, he was just as confident. Based on what happened in that game, and based on who Memphis had available and who they didn't have available, uh, that they will that they will win on March fifth. Like he was demonstrably confident. Um, and and, you know, I, I mean you, you, that that's to be expected, but you know, we're talking about DeAndre Williams, who, you know, an experienced veteran, I don't think you know, I don't I didn't get the sense that it was coming from a place of just like speaking hyperbolically. like I, I think he I think he uh, saw a lot of things in yesterday's game that he feels like given the chance, given the opportunity. They can, they can absolutely take advantage of and come out on top.
1: Well, I would just remind them just take care of business this week. I mean, I think I think both these upcoming games, Wichita on the road, Cincinnati at home. I mean, those are you know I think they're going to be um, tough games. Um, you know, you're going to have obviously we mentioned Wichita State's playing better. You're going to have Landers Nolly returning yep. to FedEx Forum. Um and a Cincinnati team that I believe just knocked off also knocked off UCF with a buzzer beater um this weekend. Um poor poor UCF has a uh, really gotten the short end of the stick here um the last week or so. Um they've been kind of inconsistent Cincinnati this season, but they appear to be one of the top five teams in the league. Um so right now yeah. they're in fourth, tied with Temple. Um
0: did Ju- your your boy DeJulius scored uh my hit a, boy hit a layup. Yeah, a former Michigan guy, right?
1: I know he went to Michigan, but he wasn't that good. He wasn't that good at Michigan. <laughs>
0: uh he I think he scored the game-winning bucket with 0.2 seconds left on the clock. So yes, you're right. UCF is really going through it right now, and not just right not just the past week. They have lost 7 of their last 9 games, and I think yeah. one of the wins they had was in overtime. So like they I I think that double overtime game against Memphis, and this is just like a little sidetrack, whatever. Uh, getting getting sidetracked here, but I think that win, that, that that double overtime, you know, win against Memphis really took a lot out of UCF. Like I think they're better. They are. They should not. They're they're good enough that they should not be losing seven out of nine games. They've
1: got a lottery um, pick on their team, like I a potential lottery pick. You know, like him and – it's amazing to me. Like, Jarrase Walker is going to be a lottery pick, the Houston kid. And Taylor Hendricks is going to be a first-round pick, like, from UCF.
0: And I think Taylor Hendricks is going to be the freshman of the year in the conference. I don't think Jarrase Walker is going to get that. I think think Taylor Hendricks is a better player.
1: Yeah, he's been better the whole season. Walker's been really good in conference play. Um, Although Memphis did a nice job neutralizing him, I thought, in that game. They They did. Yesterday. Um, but it'll be it'll be fascinating stuff. It's it. We're down to the uh, I'm going to steal i you know, I'm going to there's no pun intended with Penny's restaurants. We're down to the nitty gritty here um, of the regular season. Four games left. We'll have tons of coverage of it all at CommercialPill.com. Make sure you're te- checking out everything. We'll 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 ha- as soon as we know something about Kendrick Davis, we will uh, put it out there. So make sure you're 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 following Jason on Twitter at Munsley and following along with all of our work covering the Tigers uh, over the next uh, week or so till next time I was Mark. That was Jason. Uh, Thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully uh, after two more Memphis wins.
0: Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.
1: Just going to run this
0: dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula.